0: Well, we are in the midst of a series talking about our vision and values and, and what it is that God uniquely wants us as a fellowship to be, a, a fellowship that's history dates back to 1870, but what does it look like to be uh, the, the church of Jesus Christ in this place for such a time as this? And, and we've been talking about uh, vision and, and just that, that picture of that, that aircraft carrier of, of, of us just launching the people out, unleashing a movement of Christ-centered, spirit and power. World changers and, and releasing uh, uh, men and women to all spheres of influence, all across the world, as 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 Christ-centered, spirit-empowered world changers. And and part of just the hope and, and prayer is that even, even on the hallways, all across our campus this morning, whether it's preschoolers, children, students, or adults, that, that, that lives are being shaped to be those carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be those people who are so living in connection with Jesus Christ that they make. A difference in the world, not only for the moment, uh, but also for all eternity. And as we pursue that vision, uh, we're going to do so, uh, kind of guided by some core values. And we talked about the first one last week: biblical authority and what it means to live uh, under the the authority and the empowerment of living under the authority of God's Word. And we want to talk about the second of those uh, core values today, and that is faith-filled prayer faith-filled prayer. And let me just begin with a quote from uh, Adrian Rogers, I I think maybe sums it up uh, well. The church advances on its knees. Few things are talked about more in church than prayer, yet relatively few saints know and experience the marvels of intercession the chief weapon against Satan is prayer. Satan has many strongholds, many bastions of strength in America today. To try to break them down with Madison Avenue techniques would be as worthless as trying to remove to remove the rock of Gibraltar by throwing snowballs at it. Satan sneers at our schemes, mocks our methods, laughs at our learning, but is paralyzed by our praying. You know, I think Adrian had it right, that there is that sense that prayer is one of those things we talk about. Everybody agrees is a good thing, but, but sometimes there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between the rhetoric uh, and the practice, disconnect between uh, our experience of it and what we see uh, even in, in the scripture. And so what I want us to do this morning is just, is just kind of go back and, and look to say, what does God's word maybe have to say to us about uh, what it means to live with faith-filled prayer? Because prayer prayer tells us a lot it really tells us a lot about uh, who we are and in fact is to to kind of bring that personal I I want you to think about the past seven days and think about what what did you pray about last week and for some of you it's real easy because uh, maybe you're in the middle of a crisis and that just dominates your thinking and dominates your praying and it's it's front and center right now for some of us maybe it's like Oh, wow. Well, I know we prayed before we ate, but uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not sure. I can't really remember. Maybe, well, I, I prayed for my kids to be safe or uh, whatever it might be along the way. But but here's what I want you to think about. And that is that what you pray about really reflects what you really believe about God. That what I pray about, what you pray about, reflects what we really believe about God. So let's, let's try to, let me. Chase that out just a little bit. If I don't believe there is a God, if I believe there's no God, then really it's not going to be. There's going to be no prayers, right? I mean, why, why why pray if there's nobody there? If there's nobody listening, nobody communicating along the way. So if if my belief system is no God, then prayer is not going to be a, a very real part of my life. Although sometimes we can live as practical atheists, can't we? And and not engage in much prayer along the way. If I believe that God doesn't really answer prayers, uh, then, then it's going to be rare. Uh, I you know, may occasionally throw one up, but if I ultimately feel like you know it's all, I, all about my performance and what I do and, and God doesn't really move in answer to prayers, or that sort of thing, then my prayers are going to be very rare. If I believe that God is, in some sense, an emergency-only God, you know, he's this kind of distant deity, and he's, he's kind of said, do your own thing, and if you get in too big a mess, then break glass and, and, and use this tool, and, and I'll be, give desperation prayers. And I realize we all have desperation prayers. We get in those situations and those moments, and it's, it's, Lord, help me, and that's certainly a legitimate form of praying, but if that's our only praying, it probably says a lot about how we act actually view and understand God to be. If I think that really God kind of exists for me, that, that, you know, the universe at least ought to revolve around me, then I'll tend to pray very selfish prayers. It'll, it'll always be about me and mine, my plans, my agenda, my wants, my comforts, my preferences, all of those things. And again, uh, we're, we're to cast all of our cares upon him according to Scripture. But if it's, if it's self-focused, I'll tend to have very selfish prayers if i believe that god in the end is a small god and maybe not able or not willing to do a whole lot then the best i'll offer is small prayers bless this food <laughs> and give us safe travel you know, little things because i don't really have a big view of god but when i have a big god when I have a big view of God, when I understand God against the, the vastness of the universe and the richness of the promises of his word, when I have a big God, I'm going to pray bold prayers. I, I'm going to pray prayers like they prayed in the book of Acts. I'm going to pray prayers that are that get beyond good bread, good meat, good Lord, let's eat, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, there's going to be a boldness to my praying because I understand the calling of God. I understand the invitation of God. I understand that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that I can ask think or imagine and when that happens I will pray bold prayers and that kind of leads us to the statement that I I hope will encapsulate this value of faith-filled prayers and that statement is simply this bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers Bold prayers honor God. When I pray boldly, it honors God. It is a reflection of who God really is. But God has also chosen to honor bold prayers. Now, please don't hear me wrong this morning. Uh, this is not a health and wealth gospel. This is not a name it and claim it. This is not, you know, you you just kind of shout it out and, and say all this and God's kind of obligated to do what you want when you, when you want to do it and all that sort of thing. I'm not talking about that. at all but I'm talking about when I understand what a big awesome God that we serve I come before him with a holy boldness and in that boldness it not only honors God but God has chosen to honor God has chosen to work through bold prayers and so for us to kind of see how that might flesh out I want to take take us back to a passage that I have studied before, but but it's one that I think encapsulates a a lot of what I want us to to know about this this value of bold praying. It's found in the 32nd, primarily the 32nd, and a little bit into the 33rd chapter of the book of Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah. And in that, we find six things, uh, kind of modeling for us. Jeremiah models six things that God asks us to do, a God who desires, to answer prayer, God who uh, wants to honor bold prayers, kind of ask us to do six things that Jeremiah models for us here. And the first thing is to recognize our need, to, to really begin with a recognition of our need for God. The first three verses of chapter 32 kind of set up the situation for Jeremiah. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar at that time the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the guard and was in the palace of the king of Judah for Zedekiah king of Judah had imprisoned him saying why do you prophesy and say thus says the Lord behold I am giving this city into the hand of the king of Babylon and he shall capture it now let's pause right here let's understand the situation jerusalem is besieged it is surrounded by this powerful army from the babylonians they are getting ready to take over the city And as if that's not bad enough, Jeremiah himself is imprisoned. He's kind of being held captive in a courtyard area there. He is under arrest, if you will, for prophesying that which the king doesn't want to hear. He spoke truth to power, and power didn't appreciate it. And so they they imprisoned him. Now, that is not a great situation. That's not necessarily a situation that you would think that would inspire faith-filled prayer in me. I'm in the middle of a city that's surrounded by a hostile army that's getting ready to break through the walls. And oh yeah, by the way, I'm in the middle of this city, arrested by the people that are in this city, right? And what that reminds us of is a principle that I think is very, very important. And that is, is when you look in the scripture, when you look in the Old Testament, when you look in the New Testament, every miracle begins with a problem. Every miracle begins with a problem. Now, a lot of times we say, "I want the miracle, but I don't want the problem." Right? Uh, but but go back and think about it. Every miracle begins with a problem. Uh, the, the Hebrew people are trapped between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. God moves miraculously. Uh, there there's a lack of, of resources. God provides. Uh, there's there's a, some, a physical condition. God heals. Uh, uh, there's there's a death. There's the God Jesus steps in and calls Lazarus forth. Every miracle begins begins with a problem and we're going to experience problems in a sin scarred world aren't we one of the things that problems can do if we allow them they can remind us of our need and that's where faith-filled prayer always begins it recognizes I have a need that God ultimately is my only source yes there are things that he empowers me to do and calls me to do and I am responsible to do But God ultimately is my only source. I can't guarantee another beat of my heart, another breath of my lungs. I can't uh, control so many things in the world all around me. Uh, There are problems that come into my life that I never asked for, never wanted. But that is all those point to me that I need god every moment of every day i need god authentic faith-filled prayer begins with a recognition of our need that god is our only only source but out of that need we we respond and we respond in in a prayer but interestingly enough what jeremiah models for us is not a prayer that starts off like machine gun list to god god do this 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 now 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 Uh, but but actually a prayer that begins in a posture of listening, of listening because God has the answers. So the king is, is kind of cataloging all the reasons that Jeremiah has been prophesying the wrong thing. And in the midst of that is as, as Jeremiah is before the Lord, he, he hears the, this prompting, he hears this direction from God. Look at verse 6. Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, shall come to you and say, Buy my field that is at Anathoth, for the right of redemption by purchase is yours. Then Hanamel, my cousin, came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord and said to me, buy my field that is at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of God. Of the Lord. Prayer begins in a posture of, of listing that I, I want to hear from God. And so Jeremiah is in this posture and he hears this message. It's a message honestly that doesn't make sense and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, but it's a message that says, uh, buy a field buy a field now that doesn't make really any sense at all does it i mean you know wait a minute there's an army here on the other side of that wall who's getting ready to break through the walls and getting ready to take over this land and you want me to purchase this piece of land but it was part of what the message that god was going to communicate through jeremiah and the principle that it teaches us is that i come faith-filled prayer is not just about naming it and claiming it Faith-filled prayer comes when I recognize my need, and out of that need, I say, God, I, I want to hear from you. God, I, I want your perspective. God, I, I want your direction. God, I want to get in on what you're doing along the way. Faith-filled prayer means that I have to be open, that I have to be open to the possibilities with God. My guess is that if Jeremiah made a list of all the things that he was going to do that day, buying a field wouldn't have been on that list, right? Right? Uh, and it may very well be that if you if you are are coming before God, that that God may prompt something in you. He may something may jump out from the from the word or study, or somebody will say something, or you hear something, or a thought will come into your head, and you think, "I would have never thought of that on my own." Uh, but but God is prompting something in you, and faith filled prayer says, "God, I want to be open to that." I want to be open to to something that might be out of the ordinary, something that I would not have normally done. God, I want to be open to the possibilities with you. But not only is listening about being open to the possibilities, but it's also about being sensitive to the preparation, being sensitive to the preparation of God. Prayer is not just about getting things from God. God is at work in prayer getting things into us, preparing us for what he's getting ready to do, preparing us for what he knows is coming up next. And so a lot of the value of prayer is I open myself to new possibilities, but I also put myself in a position where God mold me shape me make me the man make me the woman that can be prepared for what it is that you are preparing me for and so there is that preparation that comes in faith-filled prayer he recognized his need He put himself in a posture of of listening, to be able to listen because God has the answer. God God knows what he's doing. God knows what it is that we need to hear when we need to hear it. A third uh, thing that we see modeled by Jeremiah is to obey. If you have been listening to God, it is vital that you respond to that in obedience. And that's exactly what we see Jeremiah doing. So if you could continue following there in chapter 32... And I bought the field at Anathoth from Hanamel, my cousin, and weighed out the money to him, 17 shekels of silver." And then the next verses talk about he signs the deed, he sealed it, he gets witnesses. They do this uh, in, in public before people, or they, in the presence of witnesses, they signed it. And then he charged his assistant, Baruch, in verse 13, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these deeds, both this sealed deed of purchase and this open deed, and put them in an earthenware, earthenware vessel that they may last for a long time. When I, when I come before God, part of faith-filled prayer is not just kind of working myself up in great emotion and and at times you will have great emotion in your praying but faith-filled prayer is not about the the rhetoric you use it's really about coming with that that posture that posture of listening and that posture of surrender or submission to say I'm going to obey and so to simplify it if I can when we call we're called to pray and obey Pray and obey, and that's what you see Jeremiah modeling for us. He's praying, and out of that praying, he's listening, and then what it is that God's prompting in him—something maybe he didn't expect, maybe something that honestly didn't make sense. I mean, I mean, if he, he if, you, if he had run this by his financial advisor, he'd have probably said, "I wouldn't invest in land in Jerusalem right now." Right? Bad investment. Bad investment because it's getting ready to be overrun by the Babylonian army. But pray and obey. But instead of that, many of us pray and weigh, don't we? We pray and weigh maybe we sense that, that prompting of God's spirit or God's Holy Spirit brings something to mind right out of the scripture. And maybe he brings a name to mind to reach out to this person and, and and then we kind of, Oh no, Oh, I'm busy. I've already got a full schedule and they wouldn't be open to that. And, and and besides I'm not qualified and and we we start to weigh, it doesn't make sense to me or I don't, you know, I just really don't see how that's going to play out. And I don't understand that. And so, so we begin to, pray and even if we hear we weigh we weigh we kind of weigh what we're sensing God saying to us against maybe what makes logical sense to us or what our past experience has been or what we somebody else has said to us or whatever it may be too often we pray and weigh but Jeremiah models for us an obedience an obedience that was first and foremost immediate immediate I mean, he's praying, God says this is going to happen, his cousin shows up and says, you know, by kind of the Old Testament law here, you have the right to redeem this field, and and he, he immediately did it. What God called him to do, he did. Why is that important? Because as we've taught before, delayed obedience is disobedience delayed obedience is disobedience and there are times when all of us we have that that prompting of God and we kind of weigh it out and we're debating and we wait and we wait and we procrastinate and all those things ultimately we miss that window of opportunity because delayed obedience is very often disobedience do what God calls you to do when he calls you to do it now if he says wait wait but if he says go go it was immediate but it was also public I mean, he, he did this like out in front. This, this, wasn't, this wasn't hiding. I mean, he, this is what God called him to do. And so he did it, and he had witnesses uh, see it. I mean, he, he was doing what God called him to do. It may very well be that part of what God wants to do in you through prayer is to be a model for somebody else. There may be a message that God wants to communicate through your life to somebody else. And that's what was going on with Jeremiah jeremiah is buying this piece of land it's not a great investment but it's a powerful message it's a powerful message about god isn't finished with this land or this people yet and he is going to bring people back to this land he is going to honor his promises to the Hebrew people. It was a powerful message. And so it may very well be, sometimes God may call you to do something and there's not a lot of people that are gonna know about it. But there are other times he's gonna call you to do something and you may say, I don't know if I want a lot of people to know about it because if it doesn't work out, I want my public embarrassment to be pretty low here, right? But it may be that God says, go, and I want others to see you go because not only is it about what I am doing in you, but it is what I am communicating through you to other people it was immediate it was public and it was complete I mean, he he didn't just say well I'll put a down payment on and if the army kind of runs away then then we'll close the deal I mean he he did it completely all the way to the end why is that important because not only is delayed obedience disobedience but partial obedience is disobedience partial obedience is disobedience and sometimes when we're weighing we kind of try to negotiate with God don't we we try to negoator going to say, "Well, if I could, you know, God, uh, this must make sense to me, Or right? I'll go, I'll go this far, I'll get this much in, but uh, uh, you know, I want to kind of hedge my bets here a little bit. I want to kind of keep my options open along the way. Well, Jeremiah modeled for us, immediate, public, complete obedience that's part of faith-filled prayer that's part of what it means to respond in faith sometimes people think faith is kind of believing in God in spite of the evidence that's kind of some people's definition of faith and it's kind of like well there's all this evidence but then I believe in God anyway that's not faith actually faith is more about obeying God in spite of the consequences obeying God in spite of the consequences God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this step. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know how people are going to respond. I, I don't know if it's going to be applauded or have th- stones thrown at it. But God, regardless of the consequences, particularly the short-term consequences, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to trust you. That's the mark of living out of faith-filled prayer. Obey because I trust God's ways are always, always right. And then in the midst of this, Jeremiah models for us another very important aspect of faith-filled prayer. And that is praise. Praise. Just a recognition that our God is indeed an awesome God. And so if you continue to follow this uh, narrative in, in chapter 32... Verse 16, after I had given the deed of purchase uh, to Baruch, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord saying, verse 17, ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of the fathers to their children after them. O great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, great in counsel and mighty indeed, whose eyes are open to all the ways of the children of man, rewarding each one according to his ways and according to the fruit of his deeds. You have shown signs and wonders in the land of Egypt and to this day in Israel among all mankind. And you have made a name for yourself as at this day. You brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and outstretched arm, and with great terror and gave them this land which you swore to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and Honey, And what is he doing here? He's, he's praising God. He's praising God for who he is and for what he has done. And that is an important part of faith-filled prayer. And quite honestly, a part that many of us don't really incorporate into our praying because we kind of want to get to the bottom line. We kind of want to get to what we want to get from God. And so we kind of go right there. And sometimes there may be, that may be appropriate. It's just one of those God help me in this moment prayers. But as we think about our life of prayer, praise needs to be a part of that. Because praise does something powerful in us. Spurgeon put it this way. When we praise God for mercies, we prolong them. When we praise God for miseries, we usually end them. There there is something about coming before God with praise that reframes our perspective. That reshapes our heart that renews and refocuses... Are thinking, and that happens in the context of praise. And what I have discovered is that in my life, the times that I feel like praising God the least are the times that I need to be praising God the most. He is worthy of praise all the time, on the good days and on the bad days, when things are, are, are hitting on all cylinders and everything's humming, and when things seem like they're blowing up all around me. He is worthy of praise praise. but that praise does something in me. It does something for me. It does something for my heart. It does something for my thinking and my perspective. It actually even does something for my energy and the the energy that I'm able to bring to situations and circumstances because I just acknowledge that God is here. God is involved. God is indeed an awesome God. He He has been faithful in the past. He is going to be faithful in the present. He's going to be faithful in the future and throughout all eternity. And so praise is a very important part of faith-filled prayer. I praise him because he is an awesome God. He is worthy of praise. And all of that sets me up to kind of live in an atmosphere of trust, of trust, that I trust God is in control. When I see it, when I don't see it, when I understand it, and when I don't understand it. And so as he's continuing the praise and he's talking about they entered the land, but uh, they, they weren't faithful in everything that God had, had told them to do. And I won't read all of these verses for the sake of time, but if I can summarize them for us, verses 26 through 36, kind of just God said, listen, I'm getting ready to give this city over to the Babylonians. I want you to understand, Jeremiah, what's coming It's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. This is what's coming. But then he goes on in verses 37 through 44 to talk about hope, a future, a time of restoration, a time when he will bring people back to this land. That's what the purchase of that land was all about. It was a symbol of the fact that God wasn't finished with them yet. There are times when we come before prayer, we come before God, and we we don't get what we want when we want it. God has something else in mind. But what faith-filled prayer acknowledges is God is in control and God knows what he's about. God was just as much in control when the Babylonian army broke down the walls as he was when they were in a distant land. God is just as much in control when you're in the middle of a storm as when you're on the beach on a sunshiny day. He is that God who is always in control, and He knows what He's about. Some of you are here and you're in the middle of a storm. And when you're in the middle of a storm, you get disoriented. You're not sure what's, which way's up, which way to turn, you're not sure why this is coming. In those moments, faith filled prayer says, God, I don't p- fully understand it, but I trust. I trust that you're in control. I trust that you know what you're doing in this situation. That doesn't mean that the walls aren't going to get broken down. That doesn't mean that the, 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 the worst isn't going to happen in my mind. But it means God's got this. He's got this. He's in control, He knows what He's doing. He knows what he's doing in your circumstance. He knows what he's doing in your life. He knows what he wants to do through your life and the lives of other people through this. God is in control. And so there is that sense that that faith-filled prayer says, God, I don't have to understand it all to trust you. I don't have to know the next 22 steps to trust you. I acknowledge, God, that you are in control you got this, you know what you're doing, you know what you are about. Then I respond with that continual listening and that continued obedience. And that brings us to chapter 33. And maybe the third verse is is what you know about Jeremiah and prayer. Maybe you've heard this before. But the sixth thing that Jeremiah teaches is, call on him god invites you to call on him because he is absolutely ready to answer his people let me let me just read uh, those verses verse one the word of the lord came to jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the guard thus says the lord who made the earth the lord who formed it to establish it the lord is his name call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. That's the invitation. Call unto me. Call out to me. I am a God who stands ready to answer. I'm not this distant deity who doesn't care. I'm not someone who is not involved. I am the God who invites you Call upon me. I am the God who will answer, a God who delights in answering his people. The, this just reminds us that God is the one who invites us to pray, He commands us to pray, He encourages us to pray. Jesus modeled prayer for us. I mean, it's interesting, and we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but of all the things the disciples saw Jesus do, all the firsthand experiences they had with Jesus, when push came to shove, the only thing the gospel writers record that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them specifically how to do was teach us to pray you might have thought i I would ask him how to do a miracle or uh uh, how to teach like he does or uh, could you could you do another round on that walk on water thing that was pretty cool or whatever but as they as they as they saw his life the thing that they said there is something about the way you pray teach us to pray and they learned they learned you go to the book of Acts, you read those opening chapters, and prayer permeates that church. It permeates the followers of Jesus Christ. They are calling out to him, and it's not wimpy, manby, pamby prayers. I mean, these are bold, audacious prayers. And God moves because God delights in honoring those who prayers. The invitation is to call on him. E.M. Bounds, one of those writers who wrote so powerfully about prayer, put it this way. What the church needs today is not new organizations or more and novel methods, but people. People whom the Holy Ghost can use, people of prayer, people mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men and women. He does not anoint plans, but men and women, men and women of prayer. God is looking for a people of prayer. And that leads us to kind of one key question. One key question that Jesus asked of his followers, and I, honestly, I think he's still asking it of his followers today, is a question that Jesus asked when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was agonizing in prayer before the Heavenly Father. And as he comes back to that group of disciples who he asked, join me in prayer, he finds them sleeping. And in finding them sleeping, he asks. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And that's one of those questions that I think reverberates through the centuries. It is amazing what we find time for, is it not? I mean, let's face it, I'm not talking about just survival things. (laughs) Most of us have a lot of time to do a lot of things. Some of us wouldn't miss certain TV shows, right? I mean, we'll record them so we can watch them, right? And now we we even do binge watching, right? Like just watch hour after hour after hour or something, right? Or we wouldn't miss this game or... We'll go to this activity or I'm just going to check my Facebook here for just just a couple minutes and then you look up and it's a half hour or 45 minutes or an hour or whatever it's been. It's amazing all the things that we find time for. Have you ever ever said this is what I'm going to do this morning and then you, you kind of got distracted by this, that, and the other and you looked up and it's about lunchtime and you wonder what in the world did I do this morning? Yeah. It's amazing the things that we find time for. I think the question that Jesus is still asking of his followers is, will you find time to be with me? Among all the hours of your day, among all the hours of your week, among all the hours of your life, will you find time to be with me? And so as I, I prepare messages, I try to think, God, just help me. I, I kind of think no feel, do. And I've talked to you about this before. I, Lord, what do, what do you want your people to know? What do you want them to feel? What do you want them to do? And what I want to just challenge you to do out of this is to develop a, a rhythm of prayer. To develop a rhythm of prayer. And I, I, wherever you're at, wherever you're at, and for some of you, you're, you're like miles ahead of this. Maybe for some of you, it's like... Oh, I, you know, I used to pray or I want to pray, but it just, boy, it just keeps getting bumped out or whatever it is. Let me just suggest to you maybe a rhythm of prayer that might begin to be helpful to you and the the rhythm is is like this daily as an individual daily as an individual so so i'm i 'm going to set aside some time and if if it's if if you 're really not having any time right now, I think it 's hard to go from like zero to sixty uh to say well i honestly uh, my prayers are are you know pretty much like 30 seconds before a meal or something start with 15 minutes start with 15 minutes you read a scripture passage maybe you you write down something as we talked about last week a little bit and then you spend just a a few minutes in prayer before God start there and let God grow that but but the the rhythm is to say daily daily whatever that looks like for you I think morning is 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 a great time because there's less competition at that moment it doesn't get shoved out quite as easily but maybe because of your season of life Stage of life, you're a young mom and you got like kids get crazy early in the morning or whatever, you just find the time but begin to develop that rhythm daily. Daily, I'm going to show up before God. Some days it's going to be great, some days I'm going to wonder if anybody was there, but I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep showing up on a daily basis before God. Let God grow that time, let God shape that time, but daily. As an individual, I'm going to pray before God. I'm going to spend some time listening, uh, responding, just carrying the burdens of my heart to him. But I also want to encourage you to consider developing a weekly rhythm. Weekly as a group and maybe that maybe the easiest group to begin with would be just your own household maybe to pray together as a couple maybe to pray together as a family just hey uh, you know i'm not, not talking about just even just a, maybe a small devotion but just okay we're going to set aside a time to pray or, or maybe maybe you say hey it actually would work better for me to, to to meet with a group a group of guys or a group of gals or whatever it might be and i meet with a group of folks at 6 30 on wednesday morning 6:30 on wednesday mornings we just get through that's kind of the rhythm none of us is there hundred percent of the time i mean life happens happens and you're traveling and all those things but 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 you just kind of keep showing up and there's something about praying together as a group you say well maybe physically you can't do that pick up a phone pick up a phone it's it's legal i'll go ahead and tell you that it's legal to pray with somebody over the phone it still counts all right and maybe it's just a phone appointment just to say hey we're gonna we're gonna connect and even sometimes somebody's you know traveling and maybe say hey i can pray with this person and we're going to be in two different cities this week but we can still pray together at a certain time so just once a week is once a week is there maybe a group of folks maybe doesn't have to be huge uh maybe it's just one or two other Maybe it's more than that, but a group of folks. I want to begin to build that rhythm in my life daily as an individual, weekly with with a group. And then I just want to encourage you to begin to prioritize monthly coming together as a church family. Monthly coming together as a church family. That's why we set aside the first Wednesday night of every month uh, as a fresh encounter prayer service. We've got one coming up in in a week and a half. Uh, There's a meal. We try to make it as easy as possible. There's a meal available, 530. To 6 30 is 3 bucks, and that includes drink, dessert, and everything. You can't get that deal anywhere else in the community, right? But even if you can't make the meal, show up for the prayer time and just say, you know, I'm going to build that rhythm in my life. I'm going to build that rhythm in my life. Corporate prayer was such a value in the New Testament church. They continually came together for prayer. Many of the teachings, and I wish I had time to go through all this, many of the teachings that we tend to read from Jesus, Jesus lips and others as an individual actually the words there are plural they're plural words it's about praying together it's about coming together to pray together that's that's the major focus of the teaching of the new testament and so we just want to encourage you come together come together as a church family if you're in town your first wednesday night of the month i'm going to be there there's there's things going on for children opportunity for us to gather together as God's people to pray. The desire is that we would be a house of prayer and a people of prayer. And so I just encourage you. I I try to meet, uh, in addition to that, I try to meet monthly with a group of pastors in the Fort Mill area. Some of us are trying to get together once a month just to to pray together along the way. But you develop a rhythm daily as an individual, weekly with a group, monthly as a church family, just to begin to Build that rhythm of prayer. And sometimes, can I just encourage you? Sometimes people get intimidated, particularly about praying with others, because you say, well, I don't do it right. I mean, I heard somebody pray in the platform, and it sounded so like they just sounded so great, and it was wonderful, and they had this. I can't pray like that. First of all, don't worry about that. It's not about show, right? It's about your heart. But I just encourage you. You know the best way to learn how to pray is to pray with others. It really is. It really is. And so just show up. Show up, and, and you'll be surprised what the modeling of other people praying will do for you. You want to learn how to pray better? Pray with others. Build that rhythm in your life along the way. So that's kind of the do. Why? Because of the value, the value of faith-filled prayer, because bold prayers honor God, and God honors Bold prayers. I think God is going to honor you and I developing that kind of rhythm in our life daily, weekly, monthly. And when that begins to mark our lives individually, when that begins to mark the life of our fellowship, then we begin to experience the things that only God can do. And so I, I want to kind of close with a story. Uh, just I hope it'll just encourage you. And, and some of you may have uh, read this story. We, we've shared this. Uh, and some writings from Mark Batterson uh, in, in one of our prayer focuses that we did a couple years ago. But, but it's a great story because it just reminds us of some things that I hope will be encouraging to you. It's from a guy by the name of Ken Gobb, and here's Ken's story. He and his family were driving down I-75 near Dayton, Ohio, and this was several years ago, kind of pre-Google and that sort of thing, when they decided to stop at a restaurant. Ken's wife and children went into the restaurant while he stretched his legs. He walked past a nearby gas station and he hears a payphone ringing. And the phone kept ringing and ringing, and Ken thought, well, it maybe it's some kind of emergency, and so he answered it. And he hears the voice of an operator on the other end, and the operator says, Long distance for Ken Gobb. All right? yeah, see, he almost passes out. He said, you've got to be kidding me. I was just walking by in the middle of nowhere and heard this phone ringing. And the confused operator said, is, is Ken Gob there? And after making, you know, kind of looking around, making sure there weren't any like candid cameras or anything going on here, right? He, he said, well, this is Ken Gob. And then a voice on the other end of the line says, Mr. Gob, my name is Millie. And I'm from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And you don't know me, but I need your help. And she went on to explain that she had just written a suicide note, but had decided to give prayer one more shot. And she said, God, I, I don't really want to do this. But as she prayed, she remembered seeing Ken Gobb on television. And she thought to herself, if I could just talk with him, maybe he could help me. And so again, this is pre-Google, so she really didn't have a good way to track him down so she prayed and some numbers popped into her head and she writes those numbers down and then she said she looked at that piece of paper she said wouldn't it be wonderful if god were giving me ken's number and so she said i decided to try calling the number and i couldn't believe it when the operator said it was you and millie asked ken are you in your office ken said no no She sounded surprised. And she said, then where are you? He said, you made the call, don't you know? She said, no, I don't know. I just dialed these numbers on this piece of paper. Ken said, you're not going to believe this, but I'm standing by a payphone in Dayton, Ohio. What are you doing there, she said. He said, I'm answering a payphone, (laughs) right? They had a conversation he talked her through some things and she drew to a conclusion he, he, he walked away from the phone booth with this this electrifying sense of the heavenly father's concern for each of his children and what were well i mean think about it. what are the astronomical odds of that happening right? I mean, of the millions of phones and the innumerable combinations of numbers, only an all-knowing God could have caused that woman to dial that specific number in that phone booth at that exact moment in time. Ken hung up the phone. He walked back over to the restaurant. He sat down with his family. He's still just stunned by all this. He turned to his wife, Barb, and he said, you're not going to believe this, but God knows where I am. God knows where I am. Can I just encourage some of you today? God knows where you are. He knows exactly where you are. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're thinking. He knows your hopes, your dreams, and your fears. He knows where you feel confident and where you feel scared to death. But he not only knows where you are, but he knows what's going on. And he knows what he is doing in the midst of it. And maybe you're in one of those seasons where it couldn't be better. Rejoice. God knows where you are, and he knows what he's doing. And maybe you're in a season where it feels like nothing's going right. He knows where you are. And he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing in you. He knows what he's going to do through you. He knows what he's going to do in the circumstances of your life. But here's the thing. Unless you respond with a faith-filled prayer, you'll miss. You'll miss the best that God wants to do in you and through you. So let me close with these words prayer is the difference between appointments and divine appointments. Prayer is the difference between good ideas and God ideas. Prayer is the difference between the favor of God and the luck of the draw. Prayer is the difference between closed doors and open doors. Prayer is the difference between the possible and the impossible. Prayer is the difference between the best we can do and the best God can do. And what I hope and pray for us individually, what I hope and pray for us as a church is that we'll never, ever, ever settle for the best that we can do. But we will hunger to get in on the best that God can do. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Oh, Father, thank you, thank you that you are the God who honors prayers, that you are a God who is honored by bold prayers and the God who honors, honors bold prayers and Lord I I pray that you would just even today remind us of what a big God we serve remind us of the greatness of our God remind us of the fact that you know where we are and you know what it is that you're doing right here right now and I pray Father that you would just even speak to us about how we view you and how we respond to you in prayer that you'd speak to us about the situations and circumstances of our life Father I pray that you would challenge us individually I pray that you would Challenges as a church to develop rhythms of prayer rhythms of prayer that honor you because they take you and your word and your promises seriously and so father i just i just ask even in these last few moments in this room father god would you just would you just speak to us would you call us to call on you and as you just continue to sit before the lord right now in these last few moments we have a box on your note-taking guide that, honestly, it's, it's between you and the Lord. We call it making it personal because we really do want you to make this personal. And as you, you think about, uh, about prayer, think about how you pray. And what is your current practice of prayer really say about what you really believe about God? Maybe there's some challenge there. Maybe you just sense that there's some bold prayers that God's prompting in you. Maybe to call out to God in a a very bold way this year. Maybe something for yourself or your family. Maybe something for your church or uh, the kingdom expansion of Christ or our nation, our world. Maybe there's somebody that God's laying on your heart and you just just sense a bold prayer and and you just want to offer that and just kind of write that down. God, this is is just a bold prayer I want to honor you with and invite you to honor and I want you to think about the rhythm of your praying. What does the rhythm of your life and your prayers look like right now? What would it look like for you to develop a daily, weekly, monthly rhythm of prayer? Where do you begin? What's the first step? And as you're doing that, I, I just, I, let me just go ahead and just even put that resource before you. Hopefully you got one on the way in, a little booklet. February 24th through the 26th, we're going to have a, a global mission celebration. We're going to have missionaries with us who serve from all over the world. And, and you can help and be a part of that in a lot of ways. There's a housing need. If you would be open to doing some housing, please contact Brett, the church office. We'll, it's always a blessing to open your home to some of these missionaries. And and just it can be very impactful in your life and the life of your family and, and in their lives. But I'm going to ask you to just to pray. And there's some very specific prayer needs that are highlighted in that prayer guide from our missionaries and i'm just going to encourage you over this next month as we prepare for that conference would you just lift these boldly before the throne of god i also want to just point you to the connect room in the very back of our worship space maybe you're here today and you just need somebody to pray with you about something Our Connect team is going to be available to you for the next uh, few minutes. and uh, You can make your way back there. Even after the close of our service, they'll be there. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you. Maybe it's time for a bold step of obedience. Maybe today it's about I I need to come and, and, and just acknowledge Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord and become a follower of His. Maybe you need to go public with that faith in the waters of baptism maybe it's about connecting with a church that really wants to be used by god to unleash a movement of christ-centered spirit-empowered world changers and the connect room is the place for all those next steps and they can help you with that But as we kind of bring this to a close, I'm just going to invite you to stand with us and and Brian's come back to lead us. And we're just going to close by just singing praise to our God, reminding ourselves of the greatness of our God. Let's praise him together.